Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to this edition of Geek Town Radio. It's uh, episode 164. I'm your host, Dave, and I have with me Bex. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? Warm. <laughs> That's yes. not a complaint. It's just a factual statement. <laughs> yes, it is warm at the moment, and it looks like it's going to carry on staying be warm, which is is good. I could I could do with a little bit of break from the heat, but um... no, no, it's much cheaper than going abroad. I had um, someone I know who's a uh, an indie games reviewer called jupiter hadley and she said she came back from spain and it was warmer here and i felt <laughs> like yes i've saved a lot of money by not going on holiday yes well i i'm not going to america this year as i you know i do every few years i'm not going to america this year and we're basically around about the temperatures that you usually get in la at this time of year so i'm quite happy yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is this is this is good. You know, recession-based holiday. Wait for unnatural heat wave to hit country you're in. Put a few different flags up around the house. Pretend you're somewhere else. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you just need. We don't have the pools outside that you kind of need. You need maybe a paddling pool. Yeah, paddling pool's pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, as we've started the podcast, being very British and talking about the weather, what else have you been doing? Quite a few things, actually. I'm still editing through all of my um, indie comic and indie game interviews from MCM and EGX so that's ongoing joy um, but there's so many and so many good games I got to play and comics I got to read uh, I put the one up for Samurai Slasher the other day which is a rather good comic based on 80s and 90s slasher films um, <laughs> awesome. but with a samurai doing it um, <laughs> and with a 3D section in the middle yes I saw that that looked really cool uh, it, was, it is really, really cool. And um, the guy who, who writes it, Mike, he hates cameras. And I've basically <laughs> forced him to do two interviews with me because I really, really want everyone to read his comics. And um, it's quite funny. You know, you can just see that he's, he does very well, actually, for someone that hates cameras. But partly, despite the fact I'm helping him, you can sort of see he hates me slightly. <laughs> it's this subtle undertone in the video. You can just about spot that he kind of hates me for the fact I put a camera in his face. Um, he did very well. He did very well on the cover I thought he did I thought he did incredibly well um, but he was utterly hating it at the same time <laughs> kitten <Very good. laughs> I've just been attacked by a kitten yes if you hear Beck scream throughout this podcast it's because she's at a friend's house and they have a small kitten and it keeps this hacking her <laughs> uh, well at the moment it's trying to eat my headphones <laughs> <laughs> now you're free from your kitten attack what else <laughs> i finished watching happy on netflix ah yes um, 
I, seriously good seriously good um very much enjoyed that i recommend anyone who doesn't mind too much weirdness and ultra violence with their comedy to um check that one out I, i've just been running around telling everyone to watch that basically yes. um without any context or warning as to the content <laughs> <laughs> because why not what else we going on? oh i was working on a tv show recently that's I probably s- i saw fairly that relevant. Yes, I saw that. What was the show you were working on? Do you remember, as you will, because, you know, we're old, Digitizer back on Teletext? Uh, Yes, yes, I do. They came back, so Mr. Biffle and Biffo and Paul Gannon came back and they said, do people want more Digitizer? We'll do it as a TV show. And they kickstarted it. And apparently everyone did. (laughs) Um, Cool. So, yeah, they made a panel show format retro games comedy show, which is Digitizer the show. Yeah. And uh, I got to go spend a few days helping out um, with a bit of camera work and just learning about everything and got to meet everyone and it was awesome because it's the two original guys from <laughs> Digitizer on Teletext plus they brought in various other guests from uh, like YouTubers and people that do retro game stuff and things as, on as guests and um, that was a really great experience and very very funny yeah. very surreal at times very very funny and um, yeah I learned an absolute load of load of new things about how you know proper TV shows are, are put together and um, that it was an experience and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what actually makes the cut and what of the funny <laughs> things I saw are basically never going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know where that's going out? I'm not 100% sure really. I should really know that. Um, <laughs> let me let me Google that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going up online. Right, okay. But I'm hoping very much that if it has a good response then somebody might actually pick it up and put it on yeah. you know, an actual channel and things because the production values are easily were high enough to be a broadcast tv show well yeah uh, i don't know is the answer to that i should have researched this before coming on here but if you search for digitizer the show you will find out this information it will be somewhere and oh they're definitely doing a dvd and things i can see on the rewards so oh, cool. you will be able to watch it in one format or another but yeah it was it was great fun they're all such nice guys and i got to meet various other youtubers and people because I, I, I weirdly i don't often get to chat to other youtubers right. i'm too busy making the stuff to actually yeah. do the whole super important networking that's basically as important as making the stuff yes (laughs) i tend to just concentrate on the on the doing the stuff aspect and it was lovely to talk to them and um because they had uh, larry larry bundy jr they had gameplay jenny and they had uh, octavius kitten was there on one of the days i was there as well um yeah they're all very funny guys and um seriously i recommend if you haven't heard about this happening or you know if you even if you don't remember digitizer and you're not quite as old as me and you weren't on teletext then i still (laughs) recommend looking this up if you like very very silly panel show based retro gaming nonsense (laughs) definitely awesome Uh, what else have i been up to i'm very much looking forward to hyper japan oh yes yes i know that's coming up my beloved ladybeard <laughs> yes the incredible australian pro wrestler martial artist stuntman heavy metal singer yes he's going to be performing with his new band deadlift lolita which is another pro wrestler and they both wear matching pretty maids dresses and sing death metal awesome um so i need to see that that's worth the entry price alone for me to see yes. that Yes. Uh, but there's there's loads of amazing people there um, if you're into any of the Japanese films Japanese animated stuff and as well as the sort of the anime and the manga and all that kind of stuff they also sometimes have technology guests one of ah. the previous years they had a guy who creates these incredible prosthetic limbs and uh, limbs for use on space stations remote controlled ones and, oh, cool. and they did an incredible speech on on that so it's more than just the music and the, the kind of shopping and socialising stuff there's actually 
some really awesome Japanese guests in general. Then it's going to be London Film and Comic Con. Are you heading to that one? No, I'm doing MCM Manchester that uh... weekend because um, I sort of assumed that you would probably be going down to do Film and Comic Con anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, I will try and interview a lot more of the indie comic people. I've been, uh, well, they said after the last one they were going to have a larger indie comic section this time around. Um, right. So I'm looking forward to that and I've set up a few possible interviews already with, with people. So cool. that, that should be good. And obviously proximity wins. I can get the train there. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the other <laughs> thing. It is a lot more expensive for me to go down and do that. So. <laughs> yes, and equally a lot more expensive for me to come up north. And do <laughs> exactly. So we divide and conquer in a way that helps both our bank balances. So I, yes, think that I, I, I think that's probably the best way to do it. So for me this week, I uh, went out and saw some actual live stand up this week. It's the uh, Litchfield Festival, which is fairly local to me and they do various musical events and stuff over the festival but they also have a couple of stand-up comedians coming uh, i'm going to see, see mark Steele next week tom allen was the one that was on this week who is uh he's been on various panel shows you'll you'll know him from that really hilarious and uh, well worth going to see his stand-up if you've uh, never seen tom allen live go and watch it because he does some amazing stories it's very funny and we were there while the um russia croatia match was playing so that was coming up quite a lot because he could spot people on their phone and he was picking them out of the audience mm. <laughs> like going you're watching the match aren't you so there was that uh, Luke Cage season 2 I've been watching as well I've now finished that I really enjoyed the second season of that I think it's probably one of the best second seasons if not the best second season that they've had of uh, those Marvel shows on Netflix just well thought through good characters really good villain thoroughly entertaining if you've not caught that yet it's well worth going to watch yeah i'll add it to the list yes definitely definitely. i've been watching some of them black lightning oh yes um just sort of dipping in and out of that but i've not given it enough episodes to make a fully formed opinion on it quite yet a little bit different to the other cw yeah based stuff but has potential he seems to stand around on top of buildings kind of looking at things with his chest lit up and no one notices he's there but other yeah. than that <laughs> yeah it's not exactly subtle that outfit in black no. lightning no and it's not exactly very face covering either. No. Uh, people don't recognise him. But I mean, you know, there's a certain sense of a yeah. suspended disbelief, I guess. I need to up mine slightly. Yes, absolutely. So watching that, uh, Preacher came back as well. I watched the first episode of that. I struggled a little bit to get into it. And I think it was more me not being in the right frame of mind for it at the time. But I do like that show I really like that show and uh, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it Humans of course finished last week as well are you, are you up to date on Humans? I am also not up to date on Humans I feel like I'm completely <sighs> letting you down these are all the things I normally would have watched the second they were released um, Yes So yeah no I am I am slightly behind on that one as well but I am thoroughly enjoying it so far Yes so we can't really talk about the finale because somebody hasn't done their homework so <laughs> <laughs> Well somebody's been outside sorry <laughs> <laughs> if this was winter there'd be no problem right now <laughs> um, so outside enjoying the sunshine instead of being watching TV what sort of review do you call yourself uh, <laughs> that needs vitamin vitamin D from the sunshine um, you know just for a month of the year yes so uh, we're not going to talk about the finale then but um, I thoroughly enjoyed this series it leaves it in a very interesting place it introduces mm. some heart-wrenching moments towards the end leaves the characters in very interesting positions introduces some uh 
faces which are really intriguing towards the end as well uh i yeah i i really enjoy this i love the fact that this show's never really stood still you never feel like they're going over old ground it always feels like it's moving forward and mm. it's developing the second season in. i felt was felt like it was slowing down and then with this one they just jumped it forward jumped into a load of different dynamics introduced loads of more characters and they really kind of picked up the pace again i was slightly worried after the end of season two that season three might be the same sort of speed and might not move very quickly but they had addressed that utterly with that first episode they were just like and here you go bang and um, it carried on from there really they've definitely been broadening the dynamics they've been looking at the wider picture of the world they've been bringing in lots of very genuine concerns and they've clearly thought a lot about how all of these things would actually impact the world and incredible amount of thought and detail been put into it so I'm enjoying it and I do do need to watch that last episode yes you do definitely Interestingly, actually, I've also been playing Detroit Becoming Human, which is the um, video game, which is is sort of covering the same kind of area, really, because yeah. it's it's an Android uprising, essentially. So it, it's covering quite a lot of the same sort of ground. And it's interesting. There are definitely similarities between the two. Uh, fabulous, fabulous game if you've not played it. I think it's the same people that did Heavy Rain and those other games, which are, are essentially interactive movies. You follow the stories of three particular characters and uh, you're controlling their actions and it is quite possible for you to lose the characters at various points in the story and they will you know disappear or be killed off or you know that there are certain points where you can completely lose that character and the story continues without them it's quite a fascinating game to play through and has quite a lot of replayability because you get these maps of the story trees and you can see see all the boxes that are greyed out of bits of story which you haven't seen yet which is is really tempting to make you go back and go oh well i can go back and replay this and see what happens if i do this or do that so yeah, um, the, the games that these guys make are very emotional and um very deep and i've got a friend who actually was twitch streaming playing the game and did so with their last one as well and said right. that they were so invested in the characters and so invested in the way the story had gone that they actually didn't want to replay it right because they felt like they couldn't necessarily kind of emotionally handle it almost because it was such a a well thought out story and they felt that it was they'd experienced it and they didn't want to play it again so they kind of went the other way because of how good it was Um, but the idea it has got this massive replayability and you can end up somewhere completely different is something that I really kind of miss about games because you used to have it with really old RPGs back in the day I'm thinking things like um, Fantasy Star 3 where you could end up at the end of the game having played a completely different route with a completely different set of characters and a completely different ending and you could play the game again and feel like it was a completely different narrative mm. um, and it's nice to see things like that coming back into gaming a little bit yeah definitely this company in particular are working very hard on those sort of things uh, so I'm I'm gonna go back and uh, play it a bit more see what sort of different story I can get out because I was definitely not happy with the way it ended on my story so I want to go back and redo some bits of it and uh, I'll see how that goes back on the TV side this is us finally came back which is a show that I absolutely loved I mean it's completely non-genre really but it's uh, just wonderfully well put together and uh, really thoroughly enjoy that. It's moved channels from Channel 4 to More 4 and it's we've been waiting for it for ages but I'm very, very happy that that's back so I've been really enjoying that. 
SWAT, which uh, is the new TV show which has come onto Sky One, that's basically their sort of replacement for Hawaii Five-0. It's filling that Sunday night Hawaii Five-0 slot. It's a CBS show. It's about a SWAT team. It's I pretty it much doesn't need any more explanation. It, it's, it's, it's almost exactly what you're imagining. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's fine. It, it's fine for those sort of procedural, you know. Yeah. TV it's shows. one of those things where if you like that kind of thing, especially this, if it's one of those shows you stick on when you're eating your dinner you'll yeah. love that kind of thing or if you're me you'll just sit there and be like i want 45 minutes of my life back yeah. um, because yeah. i i don't yeah I've, i'm so much more picky with my tv now and i only want to watch things if i think they're amazing yeah and i've got very brutal with kind of cutting down the amount of shows i watch now but yeah i did i did used to, i just used to watch all the hawaii five o's and those kind of things although saying that i've still been watching krypton and that's um but, yeah but that is the least <laughs> genre so you know that, that, that's kind of genre dinner telly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not really an excuse. It's still clearly a teen drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, some teen dramas are quite good. Uh, the other thing that I've been watching is a show called Explained, which is on Netflix. And this is actually the thing I tend to watch when I'm eating. It's because uh, they're, they're 15, 20 minute shows. I think they come out weekly. They take a single subject and cover it for 15, 20 minutes. But the subjects that they're covering are anything from, you know, like Bitcoin, the stock market. They then did one on K-pop. They've done one on designer DNA. I, I can't remember what else they've done. But they, so it's just this sort of broad range of random subjects, and they spend twenty minutes just explaining a bit more about it. So you get a kind of broad overview of a particular topic. It's really well put together, though. It's just interviews and background, and they do little animated pieces that go with it. But if you want something that you can just sit and kind of learn something for twenty minutes about a topic you maybe thought you knew a bit about but didn't know that much about or wanted to know more about. Explained is a really good little show for doing that. It's well worth going to watch. That sounds really good. I do love that kind of thing. There's a, a YouTube channel I watch that does that sort of thing called Today I Found Out. Yeah. It sounds, and they have entire yeah. playlists where you can choose Today I Found Out and it will be political history or unexplained history or science things or, you know, general common knowledge type things. And and you can just leave one of their, like if I'm doing housework, I leave one of their playlists on and yeah. um, just learn stuff. Like how post-it notes were invented. That's actually a way more <laughs> exciting and thrilling story than one would imagine. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I know a bit about it, that. And I that would was... never have known I wanted to know how post-it notes were invented <laughs> if it hadn't been on Today I Found Out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, there are some really interesting stories out there. So, I mean, it's, it's exactly that sort of thing. And uh, it's on Netflix. It's called Explained. They're little 15, 20-minute episodes. Well worth going to uh, listen to and watch if you uh, like that sort of stuff it's really good that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news We start off the TV and film news this week with our usual renewals, cancellations and pickups. A UK cancellation for once this time, Benidorm. They have finally said the ITV sitcom after 10 seasons is not coming back again, which they sort of leaked out about six months ago. And I think he got told off for ITV saying a decision hadn't been made. And now it has. So uh, that's definitely not coming back. 
Killjoys has got an air date. I put this in because I knew you were on, you were on uh, Killjoys. <laughs> Season four is coming on the 21st of August at 9pm to Sci-Fi UK. Uh, so I, good. So I'm good. Still got to catch up with that series. I've watched a couple of episodes and I you know, other things get in the way and I keep having to go back and watch it, like just binge through it because it's all... You need to, you need yeah. to because it just, it just escalates and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The way they evolve it just, it works really well. Mm. And I, I just, I can't wait to see how the hell they're going to wrap this up because we're now a kind of galaxy-sized war. Yeah, so it's uh, season four, which is the penultimate season. They've got one more season after this, so uh, that's coming on the twenty-first of August at nine p.m. Mister Mercedes is on this uh, service called Stars Play, which is an add-on channel for Amazon Prime. So you've got to pay extra for it, but uh, it gets a number of stars programs. Mister Mercedes is a show that's been kicking around for a while now. It's uh, David E. Kelly's adaptation of Stephen King's Mr. Mercedes. It stars Brendan Gleeson from 28 Days Later in Bruges and uh, plays Moody in Harry Potter as Bill Hodges, a retired detective who finds himself torted by a demented serial killer played by Harry Treadaway from Penny Dreadful. With a series of lurid letters and emails, this forces the ex-cop to undertake a private and potentially felonous crusade to bring the killer to justice so he can strike again. And there's a lot of people that were asking about this and uh, it does look like a really good series it's got a second season coming very soon coming on the 23rd of august season one is up on stars play right now so season two will come out the day after the us on the 23rd of august that's definitely if you like those sort of detective dramas this sounds like it could be a really interesting one but like i say it's on stars play which will cost you a bit more money unfortunately but uh, i think they're doing a seven day trial so if you want to trial it out you can uh, you can go and kind of sign up and then just make sure you cancel it before the end of the seven days burden of truth has also got a uk air rate this is um kirsten krug who's uh from smallville and uh, beauty of the beast she is uh starring in a show called burden of truth where she plays a fast rising corporate attorney who returns to a small hometown to represent a major client against some six school kids she wins the case but discovers the girls are sicker than anyone in thought so this along with unresolved personal issues makes her realise she needs to ditch her big city law firm and move home. So it sounds like it's going to be a sort of legal drama, a bit of a fish out of water legal drama. I, I don't know much about it other than that, uh, but that's coming to Universal on the 14th of August at 9pm. And uh, Fear the Walking Dead has sprung up all over the place now. Uh, it was announced that uh, E4 have picked up the free-to-air rights, so that will be season one coming, we believe, in early August, although that may change. So Fear the Walking Dead season one is coming to that. Season 4B is on AMC UK from Monday the 13th of August. That's been simulcast with the US at 2am and then repeated at 9pm. And uh, if you want to watch on Amazon Prime, that's got the first three seasons seasons on season four will come probably next year i would imagine so you're never short of places to watch fear the walking dead now whether you whether you have a service whether you have amc whether you have amazon or whether you have a free-to-air tv box you can watch fear the walking dead somewhere at least moving on to the bigger news netflix has picked up a musical drama called a mixtape which apparently was was originally piloted at fox but they uh, turned it down because fox really didn't pick up much stuff this year because they've 
bought a bunch of football to run on Thursday nights, which has taken one of their nights away. The story is that it is a romantic musical drama that looks at love stories connected through a diverse, disparate group of people in contemporary Los Angeles through the music that lives inside their hearts and minds. It sounds like it's going to be incredibly wonderful and well-loved by most people and hated horribly by me. (laughs) Yes, I was going to say this sounds so up your street, this show. It's exactly the opposite. I mean, it sounds like a very interesting concept and, you know, I'm sure being that it's on Netflix and they tend to pick up stuff that's a little bit more left field and things that it could be a really interesting and, and wonderful piece of work but at the same time as soon as you said that my brain went oh god no and then I thought god I sound so cynical and horrible and terrible um, I can think of several people I know that would absolutely love that though and I shall point them in, in that direction yes stars Madeline Stowe who was in Revenge of 12 Monkeys Jenna Dewan Tatum who was in Supergirl American Horror Story Callie Hernandez who was in Alien Covenant in La La Land, Jamil French, who was in Let's Get Physical, Marianne Jean Baptiste, who was in Blind Spot, and Megan Ferguson, who was in Heart of Dixie, Scott Campbell, who was in House of Cards. So, I mean, yeah, some it's a, talent in there. Yeah. yeah, there is some talent in there. Uh, the show's come from Josh Safran. Josh Safran is the creator and producer of Quantico, but prior to that, he was also showrunner on the second season of Smash which I loved because it was a wonderfully silly over-the-top cap series uh, and uh, highly entertaining. Unfortunately, the first season was actually better than the second season, which is the one that he actually was over. But yeah, so he's got some background in doing musical dramas anyway. We'll see how this goes. Really very much depends whether you like musical dramas or not. I don't know whether it's going to be original music or whether it's going to be covers. So whether it's going to be more Smash-like or Glee-like, I don't know. We'll see. Don't know, have an air date for it yet either, but I'm guessing it will probably be next year if it's starting to cast now. It may come out towards the end of the year, but I'm guessing it's more likely to be next year. Sticking with Netflix, they've got a bit of casting news for the new Ricky Gervais series Afterlife, which has really picked up the cream of British talent for this show. Uh, Afterlife, if you haven't heard about it, stars Ricky Gervais as Tony, a man with a perfect life, but then when his wife suddenly dies, he changes. After contemplating taking his own life, he decides instead to live long enough to punish the world by saying, and doing whatever he likes from now on. He thinks it's like a superpower, not caring about himself or anything else. Turns out to be tricky when everybody around him is trying to save the nice guy they used to know. So that's the basic setup for it. That's a very dark setup for a British comedy. I'm actually intrigued by this one. Yes, I love Ricky Gervais's stuff anyway, and uh, I think this is completely up his street. The cast that they found, though, Doctor Who and Game of Thrones star David Bradley, Downton Abbey and Doctor Who star Penelope Wilton, Ashley Jensen, who was nominated for an Emmy with her work with Gervais on Extras and also starred in Ugly Betty. Uh, we've got Tom Baston, who was in Plebs and David Brent Light on the Road. Tony Way, who's in Edge of Tomorrow. David Earl from Cemetery Junction and Derek. Joe Wilkinson, who was in Him and Her. There's also a bunch of other people from uh, Life on the Road as well, the David Brent movies. I think this sounds like a fascinating idea for a TV show. Yeah, it sounds sort of like a super dark British version of um, Yes Man, Mm. if you know that. Um, 
which yeah. is also a film with um, Jim Carrey, a surprisingly good film, actually, um, which the trailer <laughs> did no justice to. Right. Um, and obviously, Yes Man is the story of someone who just decides to start saying yes to everything and it leads them down a quite a path of self-discovery and not in, not at all where they thought they would go. And it's quite a bittersweet comedy, but not. This sounds like the super dark, dry British version of that. Yes Man's based on a book by Danny Wallace where he actually did yeah. it in real life, isn't it? Danny Wallace being the the sidekick to Dave Gorman, or originally, before he sort of set out on his own. I thought that was a brilliant idea as well. But it's going to be directed and star Gervais, uh, who's also exec producing, obviously. He's joined by Charlie Hansen, who worked with Gervais on Extras and Derek. It's going to be six 30-minute episodes, so it's the usual sort of short run that Gervais tends to do with this sort of stuff. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. We don't have a date when it's actually going to land, but the very earliest you're going to see it at the end of the year it may possibly even be next year one to look out for I think it's called Afterlife and uh, lastly because I'm sure you're a huge fan of this band I put this story in for you <laughs> <laughs> Take That's Howard Donald is presenting a car show for Channel 4 called Mission Ignition which mostly wasn't like, he mostly doing music production until now I don't know uh, yeah, I know he'd done some DJing and stuff I think but um, mm. apparently I thought he was right running a production company or something doing music stuff you clearly know more about take that than i do so (laughs) (laughs) i have a relative that was obsessed with take that (laughs) Uh uh, yeah okay we believe you not to knock your street credit all Uh, so so, um sometimes presenter casting does seem like a bit left of field and at first glance this does seem that way however howard donald if you don't know the man particularly well he is actually a classic car collector and an amateur racing driver so this does make a bit more sense than it originally sounds. He's not presenting it on his own. He's with Dario Fancinelli, who is a racing driver. He's like three times Indy 500 champion, four times Indy Car Series champion. So there's a guy that knows what he's doing. The basic premise of the show is um, two classic cars will be up for grabs. Well, one will be up for grabs for the winner. Basically, you have two teams and what they do is they completely dismantle the cars and basically turn them into giant jigsaw puzzles and then Fratelli and Donald and their teams battle it out to put the cars back together and the first one to rebuild it gets to keep it. That's <laughs> essentially I'm not sure if that's brilliant or a complete and utter travesty because <laughs> the idea of taking apart a beautiful classic car and it might not going back together correctly or might be getting damaged makes me very, very sad. Yes, but- uh, I, I, can can they not be putting back together replica classic cars so I'd feel slightly better? What if I, they scratch something? Yeah, I mean, that is slightly concerning. I mean, unless they were cars that were sort of already in bits when they got them or, you know, yeah, needed to be taken apart. Yeah, if it was and retrofitting one that was a, a wreck, but the idea that they might be taking apart ones that are, are very, very working. nice yes. makes kind of sad. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know if I like this idea or not. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not that. I'm hoping it is cars that needed to be taken apart before they put them back together because I, I can't imagine if you own one of those classic cars you're going to allow them to take it apart and put it back together so so i'm assuming that they were they are cars that needed this to happen we'll see exactly what they're uh, they're actually going to be uh, doing with it when it comes along there's no air date for mission ignition yet but uh, keep an eye out for it it'll be on channel four apparently kind of reminds me of the old scrap heap challenge idea but done with classic mm. cars and i yeah, used to quite like scrap I, I like the scrap heap challenge angle but then i need to be 
reassured these aren't perfectly working restored classic cars being turned into jigsaws <laughs> yes. otherwise i might cry yeah because that that does seem very wrong i'm hoping that that's not the case but we'll see so that's the news out the way let's move on to the interview it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com The interview this week is with This Is Us composer Siddhartha Kozler. Siddhartha's music weaves together the vignettes of a family's past and present. In addition to working on that show, he's also got his critically acclaimed band Goldspot, whose album Aerogram topped the Los Angeles Times Pop Music Editor's year-end best album lists in 2017, earning them number one album of the year. He also scores E-Network's The Royals, starring Elizabeth Hurley, and is the man behind the music for Marvel's Runaways as well I should point out at this point the interview that we're actually doing here is mainly about this is us the reason we're not talking about runaways is because i sat on this interview until this is us actually launched in the uk and we thought that was going to be january and then it wasn't and then it got knocked back and knocked back and knocked back and it's only just started airing now so this interview was actually done back in september last year which was prior to runaways coming out on either side of the atlantic so we couldn't really talk much about it then so i'm going to try and get him back on at some point so we could talk a bit more about the runaways rather than this is us but this is mainly about this is us in the interview we chat about uh, composing the soulful sound for it we cover how, how he describes himself as an indian guy from jersey created a powerful and billboard chart topping memphis sounding soul ballad we can always come back to this for williams band in the heart-wrenching episode memphis in season one so we cover all that stuff he was a lovely lovely guy to talk to it's a really fascinating interview here's the interview with sir arthur Coast. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Hello. Hi, David. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Good, good. Thank you for coming on. It's lovely to to talk to you. Should we start off a little bit by uh, by getting a, a bit of background? How sure. did you get into composing in the first place? Uh, well, I started my career as a singer songwriter um, yes. for the band for the for the band Goldspot, and yeah. uh, I started Goldspot right after college, and it was basically my life for fifteen years or so um, in my career, and I still do it, uh, not as often as I like, but yeah. uh, but you know, I think that was kind of my education in in writing and composing music as much as it was the reason why I'm doing it as well. Um, And, you know, my band, you know, would get a lot of airplay here and uh, around the country on radio stations and um, and, you know, kind of like the NPR kind of world is is where is where that music has lived, you know, Um, right. Which is kind of, which is cool, which is where I always wanted it to be, you know. Um, and then um, I moved to London for the release of my uh, ah. my first record. And um, I was on Mercury out there. And um, after that record came out, you know, the music industry kind of 
you know, started sh around that time, music industry started shifting to this kind of very heavy streaming model. And, and the goalposts just moved, you know, and everything just yeah. changed and things had to be approached differently. And um, so I kept on touring and performing and making records. And then ultimately, after my record came out, I, I, I'd been touring and then moved back to the U.S., and released a couple albums independently. And then I got a phone call from Dan Fogelman, um, who's, you know, um, who's a, who's a good friend of mine. And, and we both kind of started our careers together, uh, you know, in, in, in Los Angeles. And yeah. he started as a writer and I as a musician. And, um, and we never really worked together before, but he'd kind of, he'd become this really, you know, well-known prolific writer by that point. Um, yeah. And he'd written Cars and Crazy Stupid Love, and uh, Crazy Stupid Love came a little out right after. But he, you know, he'd, he'd written a bunch of stuff, and 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 he called me and he said, "Look, I have this television show called The Neighbors for ABC, and and we're going into our second season, and and we're looking for a composer. Would you will you come on board and do this?" And and I'd never really thought about scoring TV before. You know, I, I I always wanted to do film and and um, eventually do some film and 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 I didn't think much about television at that time. And 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 he kind of introduced me to that world and and I took that job and you know not knowing anything about what I was doing <laughs> and. <laughs> And literally just was kind of thrown into the fire um, of a network television show and <laughs> and um, and, you know, delivering like, you know, an album's worth of music a week and uh, for this show. And, and it taught me so much. And um, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that, for that opportunity from Dan. And 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 that led to just so much of the work for me. You know, I, I got hired on the Royals to score their drama. That was my first drama <laughs> I got. And then uh, another television show and then other pilots and then you know so it just st slowly started happening for me um and then you know this is us came into my life last season so yeah. you know it's been a really really wonderful and i've done a couple movies as well the last year so uh, i think all those years as is as a, a singer-songwriter in my band really helped me immensely because a lot of people like dan for example and other show other music supervisors and and creators of shows some of them are familiar with my music and they like what i do naturally sometimes and and i think that comes that helps me a lot and has introduced people to to what i do talk about trial by fire going from being the singer songwriter in a band where you've kind of got your own schedule to write and organize your own music to a network tv show which has the most insane shilling known to man that, that, <laughs> oh, yeah. that must have been nuts how was the transition from one to the other it was, there's a lot of a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of a lot of sweat. Uh, <laughs> I just remember initially being so nervous because I knew I could pull off the music that I did not have concerns about. Like I yeah. knew I could pull it off. It was just learning a new system altogether. You know, I, mean, yeah. I, I was so used to kind of making, as you're saying, making albums like taking two, three years sometimes to make an album. Mm. And the beauty of, of making an album and having the, and the luxury of having that time allows you to really make things that are unique and special when you're making albums and make things that then know that other people aren't doing, you know, and, yeah. you know, allows you to spend half a day trying to find the perfect sound on a drum set, you know, when you're <laughs> making an album of like, we'd spend half a day, like, you know, find, finding the right uh, velvet drape to hang over our, to, to have <laughs> sitting all across our drums so we can get the perfect dead sound of the drums. And, you know, those types of things are the, are the things that make albums great i think you know yeah. and and i think my fear was 
how can I continue to make music that I think is worthy and great on such a compressed schedule and also without succumbing to kind of like making schlocky television music. And I think that was my fear because I'm, I, I'm, I'm a purist about the way I make my music. And, and so that was a challenge, but you know, I think it just ended up being like, as I said, just like a little less sleep <laughs> and ultimately devoting the time I needed to make things feel right, you yeah. know, for me. Um, and, and I still do that to this day. You know, I, I, I'm a purist about how I record any of my scores and, and I, I don't rely on MIDI as much as I can. Um, and, and, and are these virtual instruments. So I really focus on trying to keep my instrumentation as pure and organic as possible. Coming on to some of the TV shows you've worked on, uh, Grandfathered, Royals, but obviously This Is Us is the big thing, uh, and Runaways as well, but I mean, This Is Us is the thing. It was one of those shows that I kind of saw when it came out, and I I saw the, the kind of trailers and stuff for it, and I thought, I'm not sure whether this is for me. Then it came onto Channel 4, I watched it, I'm just totally hooked from that first episode. Great, wonderful, thank you, great. Just a phenomenal show, and and your music in it just so feels like part of it. It's so beautifully woven into it. Thank you so much. You got the gig because of Dan, I'm assuming. <laughs> the specifics on getting the gig were, you know, that was a tough one because there were many people kind of like, I think there were, there were I mean, I didn't really know who else was kind of like, it was, this was a big one to get, I remember, yeah. and and so they had to like I know Dan wanted me to do it and we had and, and we had these two amazing we have great directors on the show from Ken Olin to Glenn Ficarra and John Requa who come from those two guys come last two guys come from the film world so they were all everyone was kind of involved in this decision and needed to be the right sound yeah and I remember Dan sending me a script and they had already shot the pilot I had not seen any footage right and he said well, will you read the script and just write something and send it to us and so I really I mean Despite the relationship with with him, um, you know, it was such an important show for every for him. It was his biggest show, you know, yeah. potentially. And so they needed to ultimately find the right person to do it. And I had written a piece of music that, um, like a six minute piece of score after reading the uh, pilot episode, I just read it, and it just and it really it was the right sound for the show. Uh, immediately they heard it, they were like, "It's great, it's perfect." This is our show, you know. Yeah. So that was that was really special and really cool. So yeah, um, in this world of getting work for television, film, I think what helps is that people have to trust that you can do it, you know. Yeah. So it's like they have to. I think this, there's a confidence that uh, people get when they know you've done it before. It's different than an actor, I think. You know, like I think when you're working in, in my side of the work, like the composer side, which which is really down to like being artistically strong, but also having to deliver on a tight schedule. Having yeah. to do those two things are so important to getting work on these shows. And so I'd also done it before on the Royals, you know, so I'd kind of, I'd been through uh, as a drama, you know, that's a one hour drama yeah. um, with a ton of music, you know, having to deliver half an hour worth of score every week, you know, basically. So I think those the combination of all that helped. Um, and then, yes, obviously Dan trusted me and he, he knew what I was capable of. And and he also wanted me to bring my own kind of artistic uh, vision to the project. The music is really interesting for this show because it's, uh, you know, with, with a lot of a lot of shows, you've got kind of big orchestration and that sort of stuff. This is almost yeah completely the opposite end of that because it's sort 
of guitars, piano, some vocalization, few strings. You know, it's it's very it seems to be very stripped back and simple, but mixes in with just the whole feel and the emotion of the show. I think brilliant. Thank you. Was there a sort of brief to it or how how did you sort of go about approaching it? When I read that script initially, I just kind of went with my gut and my gut was saying there's such an emotional honesty about this show. There's there's something very raw and vulnerable about every piece of it, the writing. And and I know Dan's personality as well. You know, um, the ultimate goal is to achieve something that is emotionally honest and that's 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 authentic and genuine and i think that spoke to me and and knowing that this is a show that was going to exist in multiple eras um and time periods i needed to find something that was timeless so there could be nothing trendy about the sound yeah and and so it's not something i needed to be able to live in the 60s and it needed to live today you know it just needed to live in so many decades and and we also needed the ability to go back further and to go forward further if we ever needed to because i'm not saying that's where we're going to go but you never know you know it's just the Once you have a show like this, that's basic premise is that we are the product of something that preceded us and something down the line will be the product of something that follows us is this as as just a guiding principle. You're going to have to be able to find a musical sound that can live forever, you know? And so, you know, I just kind of picked up my acoustic guitar while reading that script and just started playing. I I tune it in, in like these kind of very like odd tunings and so i kept it very organic and simple and then when i saw a picture it confirmed it because you know i got the first episode without any score and the instruction was directive was just go write just write <laughs> you know and, you know don't write to specific scenes just write see it and write and and see what it and it kept on reinforcing the organic sound which is the right way to go and i think it's because there's also so much emotion in the directing and acting and writing the right the performances are so strong and i hate to play balancing act a little bit um and i didn't there was already enough emotion that i could not create something that would be overwrought with emotion either like i i didn't want to do anything that was sweeping and orchestral because yeah. it would it would have been a the more obvious approach and b it might have turned the show into something it wasn't yeah it would have leaned into a rom-com thing which is not Mm. The show is like a mini film, and so it deserved, and it felt like an indie film on some level on network television. I get and that, so yeah. it deserved kind of that treatment. And so the score is basically me on my wooden desk. All the percussion you hear is me basically tapping my fingers, um, <laughs> like, you know, on my wooden desk and <laughs> playing the acoustic guitar and humming along. And it's all done within like five feet of my chair. <laughs> So, I mean, the process now, obviously you did that first one to the script and and then went back and and did to picture. Are you doing it all to picture now? Yeah, it's all to picture right now. I mean, at this point, you know, I read, I do read scripts occasionally, um, but the schedule is just so crazy that I'm literally like working on three different episodes at the same time on this (laughs) 
of this is us going back and forth, you know, because every and so it's just constantly working the picture. There's two different ways I I basically write it for the show. I will write to specific scenes. Yeah. uh, But that comes second. The first thing I do is I watch an episode and I I just shut it off. I watch it and I just turn it off and I just start writing because I want each episode to feel like a little mini movie. And, And so there's kind of one thematic thread that goes through each episode. And I like to find one theme, one central theme that is kind of like the universal theme that ties in our characters for that episode. And then I go in and weave that in and out of the episode, then around the picture. That's kind of interesting to, to do it that way, because quite often you have themes that are attached to certain characters or you know, yeah. whereas with this show, you're almost treating them like completely individual different entities, which sort of makes sense with each episode being so different. Right. It also depends on the show. It's not always the formula, you know, like it's yeah. every show different. Uh, for this show, I started off writing character centric themes. Right. Um, so, so I had like a Toby and Kate theme for their relationship early in last season. And it was this very romantic Joni Mitchell-esque kind of sound. Um, the only way to describe it would be like if Joni Mitchell was scoring the show. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, but Joni Mitchell of the 60s scoring it, you know. And, <laughs> and so there was that feeling to it. But then eventually I started thinking big picture, you know. And I thought it was more interesting to start scoring the larger picture of everything. And I, that was something I kind of learned from Dan's writing and also from Glenn and John, who directed the pilot and... And, right. and directed a bunch of episodes last year, and I worked closely with them. And they had one of them said to me once that they love when score is not necessarily scoring what's happening in the scene, but scoring why things are happening in the scene. And I think that kind of opened up a whole world for me. Yeah. And it and it's a really interesting and fun and challenging way to score. Because it forces you as a composer to kind of to like not think of yourself as just like the composer of the show, but like you're just almost like another character in a way, you know, mm. and and you you have to respond to what's happening in the scene, not because of exactly what's happening, but how that's impacting your character, too. So I think that that's such a fascinating way for me to think. It just opened a whole world for me. I think one of them, Glenn or John, said it, and I just... I love that idea. You know, that's how I score the show now where, and I take it a whole other level. I, I, it's, I also know Dan Fogelman and I know we have a friendship from college. You know, he was my yeah. college roommate. <laughs> and so you don't create a show like this out of thin air. No, no. You know, it comes from someplace in your soul and, yeah. and it comes from his soul. And so I know why these characters are even there in the first place, or at least I think I do. Yeah. And I think that gives me uh, a window that I would normally never have access to. And it's really cool because I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm scoring a scene for my friend as much as I am for the show. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that comes across because it's just seems so perfect for the uh, for the show. Thank you. One of the other things you did for the series for, for this series as well was you wrote an original song although i don't think anybody watching the episode where the original song would appear would realize it's an original song because it sounds so authentic you know that's the best compliment you could have ever given me (laughs) (laughs) 
it was the the episode where the the, the characters are in Memphis and the the father's yeah. dying and you know so do you want to just explain how that came about yeah this is um and this is us fashion um Dan had written this standalone episode where where none of the characters in the show appear except for two yeah <laughs> it's basically I mean yeah early on you see a little bit but it's it, this was the Memphis episode and this was the episode where William who's you know who's dying of cancer takes his son Randall on a road trip to Memphis in his final you know days um and and he wants to show him where he came from and the whole episode is is just a series of flashbacks about William's life um and you see William as a baby and you see William's journey as a musician in his youth, in his 20s. And it's a really powerful episode. And this is a moment where I had to actually read the script before and I had to write music before I even saw a picture because, you know, they needed to film to the song. Right. Yes. Um, and so there was a scene that Dan had scripted in. The scene took place, it was in the 70s, we're in Memphis, and this is a flashback to William, who's a B3 organ player in his blues cover band with his cousin Ricky. <laughs> and and in the script, it had, it had scripted, there were no specific lyrics written out, but it was just scripted that there were lyrics to a song that <laughs> William, that William gives to Ricky and says, hey, I've been writing, what yeah. do you think of this? And in that episode too, in that in those in that flashback, young William is also coping with his mother dying of cancer as well. And so this song was something that was coming from William's soul, and that was kind of what was scripted. And also what was scripted was that this song was the band starts jamming on the song and Ricky starts singing it. And next thing you know, the crowds get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And this is their hit. Yeah. And so all, then then my job was to come up with the song. And uh, and I remember talking to Glenn and John and Dan, Glenn and John, they felt like we should approach this like this would be like a Stax Records song. Yeah. Uh, something that would have been like a, you know, no, you know, who knows, like an, like an Otis Redding B-side or something, you know, or just something <laughs> that could have lived. It could have been a soul song from the 70s in Memphis. Yeah. And that was the most challenging thing I think I've had to do to date in my career for a number of reasons. You know, there was just this was this the, this episode on some level, you know, hinged on this song. You yeah. know, the song and, and the song could not be anything less. It had to be we had to sell it like it was a great song from that era. I had never written a soul song in my life, uh, but I but I'm a songwriter first. And I just started and I love that music. I love that era. And I was just listening and listening and listening. And I think what I learned from my research was at the end of the day, these are just simple songs with simple melodies and lyrics that are oftentimes conversational. And so I had come up with this idea. And in my head, I kept on you know, returning to this idea of the, the lyrical idea was we can always come back to this. And it was this idea that it was a larger picture of the show that people die, but it doesn't mean that they're forgotten. And it doesn't mean that that they can't still live with us in our memory of them or through our memory of them. And and we can always go back to things. And, and, and that was this idea. And and the other idea, thinking more on like, you know, a spiritual level, I, you know, I grew up um, as, as, as a Hindu, you know, um, though, though I'm not particularly religious, but I grew up with this idea that we reincarnate and, yeah. uh, and 
there's an idea of like, yeah, we, we really literally can come back to this at some other point and, mm-hmm. and we can do this again. And, and so I think that was kind of the guiding principle for me. And, and so I had written this kind of draft of this song and I, and I'd gotten, gotten pretty far and, but it was missing something. And so I called a good friend of mine who was a singer songwriter and, and, um, and he's a great singer and I called him and, and he helped me finish the song. And, and then we just kind of turned it in to the producers and Dan and Glenn and John and everyone was just, they, they were like, this is our song. <laughs> and, and the key was making it authentic. Yeah. And part was like, okay, we got the song authentic. Brian Tyree Henry sang his ass off on that song. <laughs> he didn't even know that he could sing something like that. I yeah. don't think he knew, but the song moved him because it made him think of his mom that he lost yeah. recently. And he just came in and he was just, there was something so visceral about his performance. And we recorded the music for that song live in a room oh, wow. and in a studio, um, you know, using like great vintage gear. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to make sure this sounded like it came out in the seventies Yeah. and, and, and our engineer was terrific. And I think all those things t- together created something special. Yeah. And I've had people say to me, you know, I've had friends of mine who I called before the episode and I said, hey, make sure you watch that episode tomorrow night because, you know, our song is in there and I want to know what we think. Episode is over. I get the phone call and they're like, where was your song? <laughs> I, didn't see it. I didn't see it. And I said, no, it was the scene where they're, the band is performing the song and the consensus across the board is, oh, I thought that actually was the song from that time. Yeah. I had no idea. And that was, again, that was like, that confirmed that we'd done our job yeah. well. And then the song proceeded to kind of, then it became this like hit song. It was crazy because it, it was in the billboard charts. Um, <laughs> and it was just like, I'd never had a song in my 15 year career in the billboard charts in my own band. And, and, <laughs> And it was just, and, and, and now all of a sudden an Indian guy from Jersey has a, as a, as a soul song in the charts <laughs> only on a show like this is us. Could that happen? <laughs> um, so anyway, it was crazy, yeah. uh, really special and good career highlight that I, I can't imagine. Like, I just, I don't know how I could ever, uh, I, I hope I can be able to do something like that again. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you did a phenomenal job with that. Has the music changed much for the second season? It's all still that same quintessential sound. Um, yeah. The a couple of things have changed. I, you know, this is you, you're going to see kind of like a more heartbreaking. I mean, we we are delving deeper into these characters now, and yeah. um, and so there is a, you know, I I, I have this twenty five dollar or something maybe. It's this really, really crappy but but soulful guitar that I bought in an antique store in Vermont. <laughs> um, got a massive crack on the back of it. Nobody in their right mind would would call it even like a, a usable instrument. Yeah. Um, and I use and I'm using that. That's my Jack guitar for this season. Um, right. And it, it's a very it's it's broken and and so is he yeah i was gonna so, say it seems appropriate that <laughs> appropriate and you know what it, it may be the kind of thing that only i feel um yeah. and someone might hear it be like oh that just sounds like a good guitar um but to me it, it just puts me in his headspace a little bit and yeah. um and, and it helps me yeah i i believe you've got sylvester stallone guest starring in the second season as well and uh I have to say, if if it was me, it's probably a good job I'm not a composer. If it was me, the temptation to sneak a bit of the Rocky theme in there. 
<laughs> yeah, right. That, that, that would that would be fun. That would give. Uh, yeah, exactly. That I think. Uh, uh, yeah, we'd have to go through some clearances to do that. But uh, but, um, but yeah, of course, there's no question. I actually just finished working on 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 some of his scenes last week, and he is unbelievable in those scenes. He's such a great. I mean, he's. He's just such a legend, and he's such a great actor. And yeah. I, honestly, I, it was like one of the most. I was kind of starstruck. I didn't even meet him, but I was starstruck working on his scene. You know, <laughs> it was one of the moments where I was like, "This is cool. I'm I'm scoring, you know, Sylvester Stallone right now." This, <laughs> you know, it's so it, it was it was really special. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I should just wrap up with uh, our, our usual two final questions. So first one is uh, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? If I have any time, I just, I literally will be, I will be watching like Seinfeld at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that's it. Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm are kind of the, my go-to. And if, if I have time to watch anything, I just don't have frankly the time to watch anything. Right. Cause then I also spend so much time in front of a screen. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think it's, I, I think it's probably unhealthy for me at this point to yeah. watch it more, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, and if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, not a show that you've worked on, which one would it be? Twin Peaks. <laughs> I kind of, having heard some of your other interviews and read about you, I'm not entirely surprised that that's what you picked. <laughs> Yeah, no question. I would love to. I mean, the thing is, I don't know why I would work on it because I would, I would want to work. Actually, I'd like to be Angelo Bottolamente's assistant on the original Twin Peaks. I don't even think I wouldn't. Even, I don't think I was. Even, I'm worthy enough to even say that I could. I would love to have scored that show yeah. um, because I, I don't. I don't think anybody could ever achieve what Angelo Bottolamente achieved on that score. Uh, to me, it was just the most. And that's a big influence for me, that score. I, I think conceptually, this idea of just creating stuff for This Is Us, that show inspires me. This Is Us. Yeah. Even a different sonic palette. But it's just this, it's this idea that like, it's just how, how a piece of music can be, uh, you know, so heartbreaking and haunting at the same time and so emotive, you know, that's just like, and that score was just incredible. My favorite TV score to date, no, of all time. And yeah, so my dream, I think, if I could do anything, I would be his assistant on the original Twin Peaks. <laughs> Good call, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I shall let you get back to to your morning. But uh, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks for spending a little bit of time just talking to your your stuff. Well, Hope- thank you so much, David. I can hear the passion in your voice about what you do. <laughs> what you do, it's palpable. So I appreciate being able to witness that as well. So thanks. Um, awesome thanks so much okay all right bye 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 so that was the interview with Siddhartha Kozla you can find season two of This Is Us on More 4 it's jumped from channel four to More 4 well worth going to watch it's a really good show let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV so highlights for next week we have a number of shows new shows arriving actually and one show airing for the first time on free to air TV so those of you without Netflix subscriptions will be very happy about this Suits season 7 the brilliant and wonderful Suits season 7 coming through to a free to air channel for the first time that's on the 10th of July at 9pm to the Paramount Network season 8 of Suits actually starts on Netflix uh, next week or the week after I think so we've got those coming up Pitney 
Naked Hanging Rock, which comes to BBC Two on the 11th of July at 9.05. That's uh, the show with Natalie Dormer starring based on a novel about a bunch of school kids that go missing. It's based in Australia, I think, that. So that looks quite interesting. We've got Unforgotten, which uh, season three of that coming to ITV on the 15th of July at 9pm. That stars Nicola Walker and uh, the murder mystery drama. We've got Ransom, season two of that coming to Universal. That's on the 16th of July at 9pm. Harrow, which is this new show coming to Alibi on the 17th of July at 9pm. That stars Ian Grufford as Daniel Harrow, a brilliant, unorthodox and mysterious doctor with total disregard for authority and unfailing empathy for the dead help him solve the most bizarre cases. Could be interesting if you're into murder mystery things. And uh, Nightfall, season one of that finally comes to the UK. That's on the History Channel on the 17th of July at 9pm. This is the drama about the Knights Templar, stars Tom Cullen. That seems to have had quite a lot of interest, so uh, one I'm definitely looking forward to seeing, I think. Could be quite intriguing. And that's it for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to put in? Uh, No, I think we've covered quite a few things. I need to go back to trying to protect my feet, elbows, cables, (laughs) headphones, mobile phone, keyboard and everything else from this adorable little kitten that is still causing absolute havoc around me. Any noises heard in the background of this podcast are things being destroyed by said kitten and not somebody having some kind of horrible fight in the background. Um, so yeah, I need to be doing that. Possibly get back out into the sunshine as well. Um, yes. If people want to see any of the indie comic and indie game interviews and things I have mentioned, some of my stuff is up on the geektown.co.uk website. You can also find me under Trista Bytes, uh, Bytes spelt like computer bytes because I'm doubly geeky on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and yeah I shall obviously come back and report back after Hyper Japan and London Film and Comic Con and we can uh, compare notes yes that would be good for us if you want to go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week you can see all the latest air date info if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at Geektown on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown and on Instagram at Geektown UK that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.